Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Ins Insights. Uh, thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Sucker the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I got asked to be on a podcast uh, called Mike Drop from the Dallas Sports Commission, and I've known of those people, known them a little bit, and some of the people involved with that got a call, asked if I wanted to be on there. I think in response to all the news, what's going on in the hobby, but to Dallas Sports Commission, have respect for them. So Kevin Sullivan, Monica Paul, thanks for having me on. These are the outtakes that had to do with our hobby and a little bit about Dallas. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a good weekend. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. Great to be here. I love Dallas. We love having you here. Before we get started, you sold Beckett Media back in 2005. That was a powerhouse company that you had started really from scratch. What have you done since uh, making that, that sale? I enjoy being retired, <laughs> but it's probably semi-retirement. I do a lot of pro bono consulting, and that keeps me as busy as I want to be. But you never run out of clients if you're not charging them, but you also are in a situation where they can never get an extended engagement out of me unless I really enjoy who I'm working with and what I'm working on. So that's been a lot of fun. Then a couple of years ago, I started a daily audio podcast about our industry and having a lot of fun with that. So it's not a job. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're on episode 28. You're on episode 475 or something, I believe, the last time I, I checked. Last week, Jim, we were rocked by the deal Major League Baseball made with Fanatics known as an apparel uh, company. Obviously, they've been a disruptor in the sports industry. But now Fanatics is Major League Baseball's exclusive trading card partner, which means the end of Topps baseball cards after a 70-year run. What does that mean for the fan? Break it down for us, uh, Jim. I'm not sure it means the end of Topps baseball cards. It means the end of Topps baseball cards being licensed by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Within that, they may strike a sub-licensing deal with the uh, Fanatics, but again, the ball's in Fanatics' court. They are a disruptor. It's really strange, not strange, but when the industry was riding so high, why they would bring in a disruptor? And it, it must be because the powers that be think that there's even more growth that could be uh, ushered in by Fanatics taking a fresh approach to what was already a, a strong category and improving. So if you got a phone call this afternoon from Fanatics, and said, okay, we're disruptors. We've got a lot of ideas. They've completely remade the apparel industry. How can we disrupt trading cards, Jim? Uh, please give us some advice. What would you tell them? Maybe one of your recommendations would be to sub-license the tops, but what would you- They, they have a license and, and that's all they, and they have an infrastructure for selling other people's stuff. So that's great. Frankly, Kevin, this is one of the times when I wish I wasn't a pro bono consultant because I'd like to turn my meter on and help fanatics because the industry's at an inflection point. But seriously, if they call me and I, I will be talking to them, I'm happy to give them my perspective. And my podcast is all about you want to be aware of history to not repeat it on the bad stuff and you want to be moving into some new areas, which I think they're going to bring some fresh air. They're going to do some things that are different and, and different can be good. First thing is you don't need to disrupt everything, but there are some things they could change. But uh, Topps wasn't doing a terrible job. Panini was not doing a terrible job. Upper Deck was not doing a terrible job. And they have a lot of institutional and hobby knowledge combined under those roofs. And uh, Fanatics would do well to perhaps strike some kind of an agreement with the incumbents. You mentioned we're at an inflection point and that the, the hobby is surging. But one of the main <clears throat> things was the COVID situation where people were sheltered in place. There were no sports going on, no uh, sports uh, fantasy, no sports gambling all over the world. 
So people thought, how do I get my fix? I, how, I, how do I participate? Well, sports cards lived on and moved on. And so you could still be buying and selling sports cards. And people said, if I buy a pack of cards, I might get something great. Is that like gambling? It's not really gambling if you have an edge. If you're aware, very knowledgeable about the market, I'm trying to help people understand the market. There's certain purchases that are less risky than others. And so people figured that out. A lot of new people came in. And uh, when you have a supply-demand, I'm going to sound like a professor now, you sound like you have a supply-demand equilibrium that's disturbed in a good way by the entrance of many new participants who've come and say, hey, what's going on? So there was a steady influx of people over 2020 especially, and you've got constant supply and increased. It just drove prices up. And when prices are going up, that brings in more people and it's, uh, it's stabilized more now, but it stabilizes something that people say, hey, this is fun. They're not guaranteed winners like there were a year ago where everything was perceived to be cheap to these new people coming in. But it's fun. It's way more social, Kevin, than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Social media, people love to brag about what they've got. It's like Vegas. You go to Vegas, you, you don't come back from Vegas and complain. You're, you're going to talk about your big win or your big score or the hand that you won. And so it's infectiously. Jim, you mentioned Panini. We actually had the opportunity to chat with uh, Jason Howarth for a bit uh, in some of our earlier podcasts. We spent most of that time uh, talking about the enormous dollar amounts that uh, cards are selling for. We got into the, the digital landscape. You've mentioned some uh, of the changes here in collectibles. Assess the state of the hobby. It's, uh, you got to do pre and post the big announcement. Uh, Panini has so many outstanding resourceful members of their team from Jason all the way down. They're going to adapt to the new landscape, but the new landscape means they're potentially in a lame duck situation with uh, some of their uh, major licenses. But again, very creative. They put out some amazing products. They've had an amazing run, but they're going to have to adapt to the new reality. And my guess is they will. And that'd be a very positive. I didn't know what NFTs were till maybe two months ago. Do you think that'll be a big part of future sports collecting? I'm not sure it will, but the beauty of the NFTs, two parts. One is there's really no cost of goods sold. You don't have to produce the card. It's capturing a video highlight or something like that and then replicating it, which is digital. So that's one thing that is appealing to any entrepreneur of <laughs> something you could sell that doesn't cost you anything to produce. But the second thing, and this enters into the uh, fanatics agreement as well, is that when Tops and Panini and Upper Deck and all the companies that have ever produced cards, they've only participated in the primary market. When a card is resold out of the pack, those companies don't get anything out of it. NFTs, not so much. In NFTs, when it's sold a second time, a third time in the crypto world, in the blockchain world, there's like a chain of custody. And in the fine print of the Fanatics agreement, which is not a pure license, Fanatics is coming in as a partner with the uh, leagues and the players association. So they're going to be having a seat at the table. And in the fine print of the announcement is that they are looking forward to participating. They're not clear on how that's going to be, but in the secondary market for cards. That's huge. Panini, for all the announcements of, of Panini having six and seven figure uh, sales of some of their cards, they don't participate in that. They only participate in the original sale. So I, I believe this new agreement is a game changer in that the leagues and the players associations want a piece of that pie too. Secondary market sales. 
What cards or other collectibles that you may have are, I guess, most important? I'm the only guy in America, I think, that can say I have too many cards. <laughs> I had a lot of cards when I was a kid. I got cards from my dad. I, I had cards in the company. And so I've got a great collection. I love it. I prefer to acquire rather than sell. But my wife is saying new cards. <laughs> You've got enough. But I still mess around. It's just a great hobby. My favorite pl player was Roberto Clemente. He's long past and it got an amazing hero to have. But again, I just when I was doing the price guides and the comp, as anybody that's involved in the sports world, you really shouldn't deify the players. They're great at what they do, but I tried to have an unbiased price guide where they, each player has a certain value and skills to emulate. And I'm proud to have some of their cards on my wall of fame that's behind me where I show an example of some of the cards that I have that I like. You have an impressive card collection going on. So that's impressive. But on another front, Honus Wagner card went for $6.6 .6 million uh, over the past week. Do you see another card breaking that in the near future? It's an amazing world we live in where that amazing sale for $6.6 .6 million for one card, admittedly more than 100 years old and, and the most famous uh, iconic card, is bumped off the front page. It's the third biggest story of the week. <laughs> But yes, there will be a higher sale. I don't know how soon it'll be, but generally people, to get in the news, they're going to have to go higher. So that will be the case. It could easily be another one of the Hannes Wagners, or it could be one of the nine or 10 rated Mickey Mantle 52 Tops cards. What's happened in our industry is that the bragging rights and the flexing that kind of comes in with the social media is that 6.6 .6 becomes a target. So there's going to be something next week that's 6.7 or next month or in a few months. And uh, some of the bidders are extremely wealthy individuals or these fractional syndicates that can buy the card and then fractionalize it to collectors who would not be able to afford the whole card, but may get one-tenth of one percent of it. <laughs> and, and I don't know what kind of bragging rights that is, but if I had a bunch of shares of Apple or Google or Amazon or any large company, I wouldn't be complaining if I had hundreds of shares or thousands of shares that I didn't own the whole company. So that's the way they're looking at it. They're looking at it as a little stock market, and, and that's democratized it and popularized it. So yes, there will be a new headline sometime, and it'll be another card, and, and then there'll be another one after that. That's the way it's going now. And I think the Major League Baseball and, and the Players Association, they're looking ahead. And the, the, whether the road goes through NFTs and that becomes huge, I don't know. But there's some aspect of that that's a hit a responsive chord. I, I still think there's no substitute for, and again, I think that's probably one of the points of this show, of being in person, the tangibility, the being at the arena, at, at the stadium, at the rink. So that's why NFTs, there's a little distance there. But I think it's here to stay. Jim, thanks for joining us. You are the most thoughtful guy on this topic that there is. We really appreciate you sharing your, your insights with us uh, today.